If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 163 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks, even in the offseason. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on November the 13th, another Sunday in the year 2022. Another week of the offseason, another week of me taping really late around 7 o'clock at night and it already being pitch black for over two hours. <laughs> God, I hate it. I hate it. And today was really like the first day of it getting really, really cold because I believe it was like a day or two ago on Friday or yesterday on Saturday. It was, it was around a high of 70-ish degrees, like 72 or so. In around the middle of November, which is pretty incredible, but then I looked at the weather forecast for the next bunch of days, and starting today, I don't even think we're going to be seeing higher than 55 or so anymore, so I think that was the last hurrah in the last day or two, and that has me so depressed I cannot even put it into words. (laughs) Every year I find myself just craving December 21st, so then I could just count day by day after that, just look up at the sky and catch any sort of extra minute or so that I can of the sun being up. Because from the 22nd and on, of course, 21st being the shortest day of the year, winter solstice and all that crap. But then I just sort of look up at the sky to see any sort of extra minute I can of sunlight as the days go on and on. Because then the days little by little get a little longer and a little bit longer. The sun stays up into the night. You usually don't start to see any sort of a difference until like February-ish. But that doesn't stop me from still looking up at the sky and counting the days and the hours, minutes, and seconds within those days until the cold is gone because I can't stand it. But anyways, (laughs) enough with ranting how much I hate the winter. Everyone knows how much you hate the winter, Mike. Everyone knows. And if you don't know, then now you know. And of course, also the reason being why I also hate the winter so much because there's no baseball. Obviously, that goes without saying. No matter how much the Yankees drive me to want to plunge my head through drywall, it does not matter. I still miss baseball and it's not here. Anyways, I wanted to start the show off again with another reminder. Because I had mentioned this at the end of last week's show. And I was like, "Eh, maybe, you know, for the people who didn't make it to the end of last week's episode. Because last week's episode was a lot longer than I planned for it to be. Shocker. Me not being able to shut up? No way. Sounds fake. But in case... Those a lot of people didn't make it to the end of last week's episode. For those people who didn't, I did make an announcement on my off-season plans for Yapping Yankees. Now, usually in the past, I've been doing Yapping Yankees since May of 2019. So I've been doing it for a little over three and a half years. Now we're just about three and a half years. And I've done a lot of off-seasons where I do every week, despite there being no, no baseball, there's never a shortage of content for me. Never has been, never will be. So that's not the case. But for this year, especially because of the job that I have the last eight or nine months since I got promoted in my own personal job, I now run an entire radio station. And 
just because of the fact that, you know, it is the offseason and there's less to talk about. And again, it's not for uh, the sake of a shortage of content. That's not what it's about at all. But just for the sake of being able to have a moment to freaking breathe in life, I guess. <laughs> and the fact of how long I've been doing this show, you know, I've, I've built up a credence for this show where I can, you know, I could start to do things like this. So, um, and I feel comfortable doing it. But for this winter, for the sake of all those things combined, and especially for the times where things just happen to be very slow, I could come up with just a bunch of topics each week. I don't, I don't really care. Again, not for a, a lack of content, but it's just just seems like the winter to be able to do this finally, get some time to breathe during the weekends. But for this off season, I'm going to be starting after next week, because I'm still coming at you with an episode next week on the 20th. But the weekend after that is, of course, Thanksgiving. And then the next Sunday after that, we're going to be in December already. And before you know it, the winter meetings are going to be right around the corner. And I'm going to be at you with episodes before Christmas and everything, so there's there's no need to worry about that. I'll, I'll be sure to cover the winter meetings on here. But... Other than that, especially for the two weekends, because I don't know if you guys know this, Christmas is on a Sunday this year, Christmas Day, Christmas Eve is on a Saturday, and then New Year's Eve is on a Saturday, and then New Year's Day is on a Sunday, so Christmas Day and New Year's Day are each on a Sunday, one after the other. Those two Sundays I'm taking off in a row, because then even after that, two days later, Tuesday the 3rd, that's my birthday, so a lot goes on in that time of the year for those of you who know me pretty well by now or know me at all, yeah, Christmas, New Year's, my birthday. All happens within a week to a week and a half of each other. It's a very busy time of the year for me. I like to take that time to myself sometimes. I did do a Yapping Yankees episode a year or two ago on my birthday. I did. That was a lot of fun. But for this year especially, and just going forward, starting after Thanksgiving, basically after next week's episode pretty much, I'll be taking off the weekend of Thanksgiving. I'll be back at you the weekend after that. From that point forward, I'm going to be doing every other weekend this winter for Yapping Yankees. I just feel like it's a better approach, more peace of mind for me on some Sundays so I get some time to myself, because I never do. <laughs> I literally never do, guys. You talk to anybody in my personal life, my entire life is work. Yes, it's a choice. You don't have to be like that. I'm a hard worker. I'm like that by nature. But I also believe in having some time to breathe, which I have not had the luxury of doing a lot lately, to say the least. So, this is my plan for this winter. Every other week, basically. So, next week I'll be at you again with another episode on the 20th. And then if you look for the future weeks after that, I'm just pulling up the calendar right now. Saturday the 26th, obviously Thanksgiving weekend. And Sunday's the 27th, I'll be taking off that weekend. I'll be back at you on Sunday the 4th. And then I'll take off the 11th. And then I'll be back at you on the 18th. Which lines up perfectly, actually. Because then the 25th and the 1st, Christmas Day and New Year's Day, I'll be taking off, and then I guess I'll be back at you at that point on the 8th, and then from then we'll just continue on every other week until spring training begins officially, the games begin in February, and we'll go from there. So, for a chunk of the offseason, not quite yet, because again, I'll still have another episode for you next week, I like to still cover the first couple or few weeks right when the offseason begins, because you know, there's a lot of hot discussion because it's fresh off the World Series and teams are talking about what they want to do. The GM meetings are coming up and we'll be covering that today, a little bit of the GM meetings. But for all those reasons, because the discussion's really just hot right out of baseball finishing, I still like to do the first couple of weeks after the World Series concludes. So I will still be coming at you. Obviously, you got the episode tonight and also for next week on the 20th. But then from that point forward, every other week, guys. All right. 
Just so you know, nobody's confused. On a given Sunday, you're like, where the hell's yapping Yankees? What the hell's Mike doing? Well, that's the plan. All right, so just so you guys know, every other week, starting basically Thanksgiving weekend when I take off for the 20... What is it? 26th, was it? 27th. 26th is that... Why am I looking at Saturday? (laughs) Yeah, the 27th, Sunday. That'll be the first time I do that. And then from then on, every other weekend, all right? So those are the plans for this winter for Yapping Yankees, all right? Before you know it, the new year is going to be here anyway. It's already the, the middle of November. Thanksgiving's a couple of weeks away, guys. <laughs> That's insane. That really is crazy when you think about how fast time flies. You know, we're all sad about the offseason coming, but then it goes as quickly as it comes. So, And then before you know it, we'll have 2023 baseball for the Yankees to have us all ripping our hair right out of our heads yet again. <laughs> Alrighty, what do you say we get to some news for today? Today's episode is probably going to be a bit shorter because now it's starting to quiet down a bit. You know, things are usually really hot, as I said, right out of the World Series, right out of the gate of the game just being done for the year, right after the conclusion of the World Series. And people were talking a lot about, and people are still talking a lot about, like, Judge, and obviously last week was pretty hot because that was the week of teams exercising or not exercising certain players options, their club options, and certain players also opting out or not opting out. So there was a lot of a lot of that stuff happens at the very beginning. There were some awards given out and there were more this week. I'll get to that in a second for some more Yankees that won some things. I gave the gold gloves and something else last week. I don't even remember. I think gold gloves was the main thing. And there are more this week. But now it's this past week, obviously, it's inevitably quieted down a little bit. So hopefully it heats up again pretty soon. But because it has quieted down a little bit, it'll probably be a bit shorter of an episode today. Basically just talk about some news, cover the GM meetings a little bit. Yankees did have a little bit of a coaching staff change. We'll get to that in just a second. There was a club option exercising, which was official as of last Sunday, I believe. But it was already speculated from a week or two prior to that that the Yankees were going to do this. So it's really not a surprise that it happened. I'll just mention it again really quick because I think I mentioned it most likely happening on a prior episode. And then basically there was uh, more awards that I have to tell you about, and then the GM meetings. And then we got our social media segment after that, based on a major statement that was made at the GM meetings by our very own Brian Cashman, which is still weird to say, considering the man is still not even officially under contract yet. But that is neither here nor there, I guess, in the eyes of the Yankees, right? So the first piece of news really from this week is that the Yankees, as of last Sunday, but again, we had mentioned this in prior weeks, is that the Yankees actually did exercise officially the club option on Luis Severino. So Luis Severino's sticking around, which I'm happy about. I love the guy. The main concern about him is, of course, as it has been for years now since they signed him to that four-year contract, is his health. That is the concern and will always be the concern. Because his stuff isn't the concern. When he's on the mound, he's great. He's a lot of fun to watch. And for the vast majority of the time, he delivers spectacularly. He's a great young arm. Always has been. Problem is, he can't stay healthy. And that being a reason amongst the fact that the Yankees can just never have enough pitching. That has also been proven a great deal in recent past seasons. But I would also just like to have another one just for the sake of, you know, what if Severino gets hurt again? And there's a good chance of that happening, unfortunately. But he is sticking around again, which I am happy about. And 
I really just hope that he stays healthy because I, I would really, I would give anything to see Severino pitch a fully healthy season. And who the hell knows when the next time is he might be able to pitch 200 innings in a season for some, you know, just from pure speculation. Because he's had so many years now where he's missed at least a chunk of the season, a big chunk of it, if not most of it, or all of it. So even this past season, he missed a couple of months again. And to even extend his time out even more so, they put him on the 60-day injured list, which he was opposed to, as we know. But it ended up working out because when he got back, he looked terrific. So I guess it worked out. It didn't work out in the grand scheme of things because the Yankees failed at their ultimate goal like they have for the last almost decade and a half. But for him personally, it seemed to have paid off because he looked really good when he got back. Had the seven no-hit innings in Texas. Didn't really have a clunker of a start at any point. Had that unbelievable comeback start in Cleveland when it was an awful start on the road, but then he bounced back, and probably one of the better in-start bounce backs I've seen from a starter, possibly ever. (laughs) So, it worked out for him. So, if he could just stay healthy, then it would be really, really good. I'd do anything, again, for a full season of Severino. It wouldn't only benefit the Yankee rotation, but it would just be great to have in general. Having a young, fiery arm out there, able to stay healthy, lighten up, lighten up the radar gun, just confusing hitters left and right. And that's what Severino does when he's on. People usually have no answers for him. He's a great arm. He throws hard. He has developed a slider, even his changeup, which he spent much of the younger part of his career trying to improve. And that actually, the changeup, they said, played a part in him getting Tommy John surgery. It messed with his elbow. But now he seems to have perfected or near perfected all three. Only problem is, when are you going to be able to pitch him for an entire season, like I said, because he's missed so much time. And he even missed a chunk of time this past season. So in 2023, you're probably still going to see him on an innings limit. I'd be shocked if you don't. So maybe around like 150-ish innings, if he even makes it to that much. And of course, when you look at the rest of the Yankee rotation, you also in a rational way question whether or not Nestor Cortez will be able to repeat what he has done. I think he can. And I think we will also see him be pushed a little bit more innings limit-wise for next season. He'll be able to pitch more because he proved he can. And, but there's a a couple of questions in the Yankee rotation, like there always seems to be in some sort of a way, which is why, again, I would not be opposed to the Yankees picking up even another starter because it just becomes the Yankees can never have enough pitching. They never can. Garrett Cole, I'm confident in, especially because he proved yet again that he basically still is Garrett Cole in the playoffs. So, but, you know, you still want more reassurance. And there are a lot of names out there. Carlos Rodon is one, for instance. A lot of people want them to get, want the Yankees to get their hands on him. I would love that. There's a big rumor that the Yankees have been associated with since the deadline and even prior to that, really, on another arm they're interested in, which I would really rather than not pursue an older veteran left-handed starting pitcher, Jose Quintana. I do not want the Yankees going down that route. He's going to be 34 as of January, so he is an aging vet, no doubt. He is coming off a pretty good season, but this is a guy who has spent the vast majority of his career pitching in the mid to high threes, or maybe even the fours sometimes. 2021 was not a good year for him, and 29 starts a 6.43 ERA with the Angels and Giants combined. And 2022 is pretty good. He had a 350 ERA and 20 starts with the Pirates, which isn't great. And then he did have a 201 ERA with the Cardinals, who had a great run this year. 
despite it not ending well against the Phillies in the wild card round, but otherwise had themselves a nice year watching Albert Pujols did what he did and whatnot. But in 12 games with the Cardinals, pitched to a 201 ERA, and that lowered his ERA significantly to the high twos, which is by far the lowest that he's had. The lowest that he had prior to that in a season was a 320 ERA back in 2016, which is going on seven years ago, guys. So I know he's been in the league in a long time. He has experience and this and that, but this is, I don't know. I don't want the Yankees going down this route, really. He, he Most of the years in his career, he has not been good. Um, he's definitely not a high strikeout guy. He had, he had 207 strikeouts in 2017. That was by far his highest strikeout season. But other than that, strikeouts to innings pitched ratio, not great. Gives up quite a bit of walks. In years prior, he's had some long ball problems. I don't know. I'm just not about it. I'd much rather the Yankees get a much solid and younger arm in Carlos Rodon. That is a much more attractive option, if you ask me. And he has experience himself. He's been in the league since 2015 himself. And yeah, he's had his rougher seasons here and there, but you know you're getting electric stuff out of him. You're getting a lot of strikeouts. And you're getting an ERA at least the last two years, no higher than in the twos. Before that, his career, he was still definitely developing a bit. But then in 2021, he really took off and he has shown no signs of slowing down, clearly right in the heart of his prime right now, give or take. So, I mean, I go with that personally. Coming off of a 31-start season where he nearly pitched 200 innings, around 180 and he struck out 237 people. I don't know. Seems like a given to me. I'd really I'd really rather that option. And then there are a few other names out there which I don't think the Yankees will ever do, like Jacob DeGrom's out there, for instance, but he seems to be talking a lot with the Rangers lately. He's, according to reports, now you got to take this with a grain of salt because, you know, you don't really know what's true and what's not with the with how hectic reporting is in the offseason. If it's coming out, out of anybody's, mouth or fingers if you're on if they're going on Twitter other than maybe a Jeff Passan or Ken Rosenthal or maybe if it's the Yankees like a Jack Curry with the Yes Network or something then you got to question its validity but he's talking to the Rangers a lot and there's a lot of people talking about because you know his option he declined it with the Astros people talking about Justin Verlander now so there are a lot of things going around now and I don't know the Justin Verlander thing for me, <laughs> that situation freaks me out because that's a situation where there's going to be a lot of money involved, first of all. That doesn't freak me out as much. The part that freaks me out is spending all that money, not that it's, you know, fully mine or anything, but having the Yankees spend that kind of money and then despite how amazing he's been in the resurgence late in his career and being able to do what he did in this prior season where he's likely taking home the Cy Young Award after having Tommy John surgery this late in the game in his career and doing what he just did, this just has a nightmare story written all over it knowing the Yankees' luck. They'll bring him in, pay him a boatload of money, and then upon arrival, he's going to fall apart. I don't know. It just has that. <laughs> Sometimes I can see the writing on the wall before it's even written on the wall. And something's just telling me that that avenue spells disaster. So I'm a little timid about that. Obviously, I wouldn't be pissed off if the Yankees brought Verlander over. I don't think he would ever come here. I just don't think it's an interest of his. But even if it is, while I'd be happy because it's Justin Verlander, that fear will be greatly in the back of my mind. 
And if that is what ends up coming to fruition, if he is to come here, then you better believe I will recall me saying this and I will mention it again. Because, <laughs> you know, sometimes I've had this weird... We all have it every now and again, I think, but just this weird feeling that ends up coming true. I don't know, and I just feel like that would be a potential nightmare story involving Justin Verlander. So the point of this whole thing is getting on a whole diatribe and tirade based on Luis Severino and the Yankees, the Yankees exercising his club option. Point is, (laughs) people are talking about the Yankees getting another starter because the Yankees can never have too many of them, especially when talking about, oh, can Nestor repeat what he did? Can Severino stay healthy? What would the deal be with Garrett Cole? Who knows? I mean, maybe he struggles a little bit next season. Who knows? You never know. Because Garrett Cole did not have the best of regular seasons in 2022. So, Tyone's obviously on his way out. So, there's certain questions being raised saying, oh, the Yankees could probably use another starter. You know, Montes will probably be back next year. He did not have a great time with the Yankees in the second half. That's putting it very mildly between continued injury problems and whenever he was out there, whether it be because of things that was going on, things that were going on in his personal life when he first got here or continued injuries, he just went out there and he, he stunk. So where's the trust level with a lot of people with him? People are not confident about that. People have called him Sonny Gray 2.0 already. So So a lot of people are like, the Yankees could use another starter. So that's why I threw some of those names out there regarding starting pitching. There are names being thrown around constantly. There are names out in the market. So that's the deal with that. But overall, especially if he is to have a a healthy season finally, which would be fantastic, I don't mind the Yankees exercising his club option at all. I think it's a good decision. So Severino will be sticking around for at least one more year in 2023. We'll see what he can do, hopefully... He stays healthy. As far as any changes, I mentioned the Yankees made a coaching staff change already, or like their coaching staff member made a change and is no longer with them. But Hensley Mullins has officially joined the Rockies coaching staff. Now, Hensley Mullins, of course, joined the Yankees hitting coach staff last winter. Well, he is no longer there. So he joined the Rockies coaching staff. So the Yankees now have... A position open in the hitting coach realm. So Hensley Mullins no longer with the Yankees. And while Hensley Mullins has been known to be a respectable name in the past, and I would say he still is for the most part, but I don't think a lot of the Yankee fans out there are sweating this because uh, needless to say, there were still a lot of familiar and unlikable qualities about the 2022 offense, particularly in the second half going forward. So I don't think a lot of people are particularly like overly upset about this. But nonetheless, they will not have Hensley Mullins going forward as he is now with the Rockies. So that is a coaching staff change right off the bat for the Yankees. Now, why don't we talk about some awards? Because that was some more news that came out this past week for the Yankees. Some more awards given out. First and foremost, why not talk about our king, Aaron Judge, who is, of course, still out there and at the center of discussion. Why wouldn't he be? Because he hasn't signed with anybody yet, as he shouldn't. He's probably taking his time, weighing his options, talking to people. But Judge did add even more to his resume because this past week he took home not just one very prestigious award, but another award along with it. 
First and foremost, he took home the Hank Aaron Award, which is, of course, awarded to the best offensive player in the league. Aaron Judge earns the Hank Aaron Award, and he also took home a Silver Slugger. So two things for this past remarkable season of a lifetime for Aaron Judge in 2022. As if any more evidence is needed for that once-in-a-lifetime season that he just got done having. So two awards for Judge, and we expect another because you expect that MVP to be up next. But he wasn't the only one to win another very prestigious award. And this man had already won a gold glove the week prior, but it didn't end there. As a matter of fact, that could just be seen as a stepping stone to the one that he just won this past week. And that is our guy who, don't forget, came here almost by accident. Because <laughs> the Yankees had gone into this season expecting the catching duo to be Kyle Higashioka and the name that a lot of people may have forgotten because he never even got to play for a second on the big league roster by the name of Ben Rortved. Anybody remember him? Came over in the disastrous Minnesota trade alongside Josh Donaldson and IKF when the Yankees... Well, thankfully said goodbye to Gary Sanchez, but sadly said goodbye to Gio Urshela. Yeah, that guy, he was hurt for the vast majority of the season. And when he wasn't hurt, he was down in the minors, never even got to play. And the Yankees thought that'd be all right, picking him up, even though they already knew he was injured, never got to play with the team, because when he was injured, the Yankees stumbled upon a very happy accident, one that turned out to be a magnificent success. In Jose Trevino, (laughs) who was always a well-respected, primarily defensive catcher with the Texas Rangers, as we know, but was never really known for his offense. Then he came to the Yankees, and he was amazing in both. Not only continued his amazing defensive ways, but he also even showcased a lot offensively, especially for a catcher, and especially in... The first half, later first half part of the season, May, June, even a bit of July. And he started to slow down towards the end. I think the season really started to catch up to him eventually. But for the vast majority of the season, and there's no doubt that this guy was a beloved member of the Yankees, especially beloved by his pitching staff and proven even more so this past week when they praised him like crazy on social media after winning this award. But Trevino brought home the Platinum Glove Award, which is awarded to the best defensive player in each league. And that is a very high honor. The Platinum Glove can only be won by two recipients each year. Because again, just best defensive players in each league. And this year, it was Trevino, in the American League, and Nolan Arenado in the National League. Big shocker there, because he is a phenomenal defender, one of the best we've seen in a long time, as we know. But Trevino taking home the Platinum Glove, it makes me so happy, and he deserves it. He really does. The pitch framing, the overall defense back there behind the plate, and like I said, even the pitching staff, you could see how they rave about him on social media after he brought home this award about his work ethic, how he does his homework, and just then the work that he does when he's actually physically back there is just phenomenal. 
I mean, you heard the camaraderie between him and Nestor in the All-Star game, for instance, when they pitched, when Nestor pitched to him and they were both mic'd up. That was great to listen to. That was just one of many examples of the praise that comes from the Yankees starting rotation to Trevino. And again, it wasn't what was expected in the blueprint for the Yankees before the season started. The catching duo was supposed to be Higgy and Rortvit. Rortvit didn't work out. Shocker. And they happened to trade for Trevino a little bit into the season, and it turned out to be a hell of a find and bringing about a lot of enjoyment throughout the Yankee fan base. And there was everything with when he was getting those walk-offs and him talking about his father and playing baseball with his father and, you know, dreaming about hitting a walk-off in Yankee Stadium in front of the fans as a Yankee and all of that coming true and around the time of his father's birthday and just just so many heartfelt moments that it brought as well, along with just how great he was unexpectedly. I mean, when he came here, if you listen to Yapping Yankees at the time he was picked up, I I didn't have a problem with the move at all. But I kept on saying that he is basically a black hole offensively, which before coming here was true. That was a true statement. I basically just expected him to just be phenomenal defensively, which he was. And I was really down for. I was really in favor of that. If you go back and listen to Yapping Yankees when that move was made, and you go back and look at any old tweets, I was in support of the move overall. Because I was thrilled that the Yankees were finally valuing defense behind the plate. Because it was something that they had sorely lacked for years. So I was thrilled about that. But the one thing that I didn't expect and nobody else expected was for him to actually show a lot with the bat as well, which he did, which only added to how great the move was. And now it's capped off by him not only winning a gold glove, but a platinum glove to give even more credit to his phenomenal defense behind the plate. So congratulations to Jose Trevino on taking home the platinum glove award. It's absolutely amazing. It really is amazing job by him this season. I'm so glad the Yankees ended up trading for him and just stumbling upon something that was a great success ultimately. So congrats to him and congrats to Judge for winning a Silver Slugger, for winning the Hank Aaron Award, and we all know what should be next. That's all I'll say. (laughs) And finally, in Yankee news from this past week, is basically the GM meetings. Brian Cashman, rest of the general managers, meeting at the GM meetings, which only happened a couple of weeks after the World Series, as we know. So, right on time, pretty much. A lot of it was uh, spent on him making a lot of the same statements that we heard him say at his end-of-season press conference with Aaron Boone, so no need to repeat any of that. We know A lot of the same Brian Cashman spiel. We know all of it. We have come to hate it, and we're familiar with it. No need to beat a dead horse. There's the one thing that he said, though, that really grinded my gears, even though I wouldn't expect him to say anything less because I know Brian Cashman, and plus I know that he's going to comment on the active roster as is, and they're not really going to play their hand. I know, I know, I know, I know. You don't have to explain it to me like I'm four. You don't. But it doesn't change the fact that it pisses me off when I hear it. And the main thing, because the Yankees, the media, and everybody always asks the Yankees about this because it's a valid question, what their plans are 
with guys like Josh Donaldson, people who were considered to be dead weight in this organization. And they asked him about Josh, because Josh is a big story. He actually had a pretty decent season in 2021, came here, Yankees took on his enormous, outrageous contract for his age, and he sucked, as we know. People will rave about his defense. Yeah, he did fine defensively. He even had a few outrageously bad plays there as well. But, especially the main topic when when we're talking about how disastrous he was, was offensively. So, people ask him about that all the time. What are you going to do with Josh having had such a horrendous season, particularly at the plate and making the outrageous amount of money that he is? What are the plans? And he more or less, as expected, doubled down on him. Basically saying, yeah, Josh is a third baseman for next year, and we think he's got a lot left, and that's basically that. So, that always ticks me off, to say the least, because I am of the crowd that believe that Josh was going to stink coming into 2022, let alone him actually legitimately ending up stinking. But, especially after watching 2022, you will definitely be catching me as the last person to say that I think Josh Donaldson has anything left. Give me a freaking break over here. I mean, this is crazy. If they actually end up just sticking with him and riding him out throughout most of or the entire season, maybe, just because of how much money he's making, that just shows the Yankees really aren't serious. There are other options out there. There are other options within the actual freaking organization. And I don't want to spend too much time on this because we spoke about this a lot last week and we have a whole social media segment ahead regarding the infield to talk about all this. But, I mean, come on, man. Just, you don't have to outright admit it. And I don't expect Cashman to admit straight up when he's wrong. Because Cashman's not a guy to just fall on the sword and, I don't know, God forbid admit wrongdoing, you know. They made a wrong move. God forbid, you know, we're all humans and we're all wrong every now and again. I think it's fine to admit as much. But I also know all the reasons why he wouldn't. While I don't agree with them, I expect it and I understand. Um, But still just hearing this and, and hearing the Yankees talk about things where there's no factual proof to support the things they're saying... I will always understand the Yankees not wanting to throw people under the bus or anything like that. I've said the statement a million times, and I will understand that. But the one thing that I just have a very tough time settling for and being okay with is just being straight up lied to. And the Yankees will literally feed you a bunch of crap information with no evidence to support it. And it's really annoying to listen to because it's almost like they think we're dumb or something. And we'll just take them at their word, despite seeing the results right in front of our very eyes. And it's almost insulting. It really is. Saying that IKF is a top defender in the league. Saying that you think Josh Donaldson has anything left, which, you know, maybe he does. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he actually will have a good 2023 and I'll look like a massive moron. I don't know. But do you blame me for feeling this way after watching what we just watched this year? And watching him still have just as big a mouth as he's ever had, despite him just blowing chunks. He's an annoying player to have around. And his work does not even begin to back up his big mouth. I've said this so many times. So, 
I would love for anything other than the Yankees just wasting another season on this guy. And so it just it just ticks me off to hear that they're willing to double down on him. And I know, again, they have to comment on the active roster. They won't play their hand. And they don't like to admit when they're wrong. Blah, 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 blah. I know. I know the deal. I know it. But it doesn't take away the fact that it's annoying to listen to. And that them saying that there's evidence to believe that he has anything left or this or that, it's there's just it's crap is what it is. It's crap. And I'm done letting the Yankees feed us this crap without having anything to say about it. It's really annoying to listen to. And like I said, at times, especially if it's just like out beyond outrageous crap, it just gets to be insulting. It really does. Like we know better than that, man. We see the results. We see what happens right in front of us. We're not that dumb. We're not so dumb to think that the left side of the infield is fine. It's not fine. It's less fine than it's been in a long time. So, ask him about Donaldson. Ask him about a bunch of things. And again, all this without him even being under contract yet. He himself said that his contract expired on the 31st. There has been no word of him officially signing a new contract. Two weeks later, tomorrow's officially two weeks, two full weeks since the 31st. Nothing yet, yet he's attending the GM meetings. He's holding press conferences as if he's still the Yankee manager contractually, even though he's not. Which basically, as I also said last week, more or less confirms what we all knew to be true, whether we like it or not, and I don't like it, that he is basically already back as as the general manager. He just might as well have a seat reserved for him at the Steinbrenner dinner table until the end of time at this rate. So, that's basically that. A lot of the same stuff at the winter meetings, but I just thought I'd bring that up about Donaldson because the infield discussion is just making me very upset. Whether or not it ends up being true or the Yankees intend on it being true, we'll have to see as the winter goes along and spring training gets closer. But as of now, you guys know I want a lot of changes to be made in the infield, and I'm not okay with especially the left side of the infield staying as is. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't mind if every position other than the first base changed. Because even first base, there's nobody there right now, nobody official at least, because Anthony Rizzo opted out, as we know. We spoke about that already. So he's not even officially a Yankee anymore until the Yankees are to possibly bring him back or not. We don't know yet. But we all know how I feel about that. I already gave my ideal infield pretty much last week, and I'm sticking by it for now until the Yankees make any other moves otherwise, because there are some other names out there on the market. There's Carlos Correa, if he no longer has an intention of remaining with the Twins going forward, because he had that weird three-year high annual average contract with an opt-out after each season. It's a crazy deal. You obviously have other names out there like Trey Turner, which there are a lot of people actually talking about the Yankees having the highest odds of late of signing him, which I would not be opposed to a Trey Turner, trust me. But of course... The Yankees have their top priority right now named Aaron Judge. We all know that. And Hal Steinbrenner, who apparently will have an interview with Meredith Morakovitz airing on the Yes Network tomorrow on Yankees Hot Stove. Meredith basically straight up asked him about Judge, and Hal Steinbrenner was as vague as he always irritatingly is. 
But uh, he basically did say he has had a number of discussions with Aaron Judge in a sneak peek look at this interview. And uh, that they apparently expressed to him that they really want him back. But we'll see just how badly they want him back when we hear about their first official offer, which has not happened to the best of our knowledge yet. Or maybe it has and it just hasn't been made public yet. We don't know. But, so that'll be coming out for then regarding Judge, their top priority. But when it comes to the infield and positions like shortstop, just like last year and you had a top shortstop class available to you, well, you have names yet again, like Correa possibly, a Trey Turner. There's also Xander Bogarts out there, which I can't imagine. He's being more associated with, I believe it's the Phillies right now. And, yeah, his name just seems to be being thrown around a lot in that realm. You also have another very attractive option, a guy that I like a lot, Dansby Swanson. There's that option. So, there are a few names being thrown around out there for shortstop. Now, me personally, the ones that I would love the most would probably be a Dansby Swanson or a Trey Turner if the Yankees were to sign either of them. But they also have a lot of options within their own organization. People who are already here to fill vital infield roles, including shortstop. And especially because Cashman doubled down on Donaldson, and there's been a lot of infield talk, especially lately, aside from the main talk being Aaron Judge, of course. But that seems to be the next most popular topic the left side of the infield, or just the infield in general. That really seems to be a hot topic of discussion. So I figured that that would be the first thing that we hit on for this week for the social media segment at large because in off-seasons in the past, what I've tended to do, and I intend on mostly doing the same thing this winter, this is a good plan of approach, is hitting on each aspect of the team in which people are talking about the most. Which areas could use the most improvement and which ones seem to be being discussed the most. So this week, I'm starting off the discussion officially with the infield. Not even just specifically shortstop, which we that is a topic of discussion as well, and will play a part in shaping the rest of the Yankee infield around it because shortstop's such a vital position. But also eventually we'll talk about Judge, obviously. There's not, there's not much to talk about with him. We all know what the deal is, and we all know what the Yankees could, should, might offer him. Who the hell knows? But we all know... At least those of us with a brain know, and I know there are a lot of people out there who are skeptical of him because of his postseason performance, and I guess that's valid, but if you have any sort of sense in your mind, any sort of rationalization, I think you want Judge back. (laughs) Safe assumption? So, I know some people are just saying, let him walk, and I'm sorry, I just, I don't agree with that. It, It, of course, depends on what the money, the years ends up being, but can't just say let him walk and come what the hell <laughs> so aside from judge just go week by week as we have in off seasons past and just hit on position by position aspect by aspect of the team that could use improvement maybe next week we'll hit on starting pitching a little bit another week we'll hit on the bullpen we'll see we'll see how it goes but for this week especially because of the winter meetings and the discussion about Donaldson at third base sparking a discussion on the infield as a whole as well. And the infield seeming to be a hot point of discussion, probably the hottest aside from Judge. I figured we'd start with that. So, quite simply put, the social media segment for this week is just straight up a question. Social media question for this weekend's Yapping Yankees here tonight. And the question is, if you were in charge of the Yankees, what does your infield look like in 2023? 
Now, I have said in the past week or so, I've basically voiced that I want my infield to basically look like this, and I'll basically reiterate it. I want Rizzo to come back at first base. I simply think the guy is invaluable between his defense at first base, his offense overall, being a lefty bouncing out the lineup, the experience he has in winning a championship. He's a former champion, which brings a lot of value in the clubhouse. Aside from also already being the leader and mentor that he is in the clubhouse, making his value even more invaluable. So there are just a lot of factors in Anthony Rizzo that I would like to see remain on the Yankees. I just want him back. I really, really do. There are just certain guys that feel like Yankees, and to me, Rizzo is just one of them. So I really would like Rizzo to return. Second base, like I said, if Glaber's back, then fine, whatever, but I would not be heartbroken if he goes, especially if it's in a potential package deal for a solid starter. We all know what almost took place at the deadline, according to reports, that he was almost in a deal that nearly went down, was apparently very close to getting done, but might have been backed out of at the last minute. Again, according to reports, we don't know how close it got or how true that is, but reports basically indicated that the Yankees were ready to package Glaber off around the trade deadline to acquire Pablo Lopez from the Miami Marlins. So if they were to do that again and package him off in a trade that would get them a much-needed player in return, I would be willing to part ways with Glaber Torres. And I would not be heartbroken by him leaving. So if that's to happen, I would definitely want either, I would say probably Oswaldo Cabrera at second base to at least start the season. Because I doubt that Anthony Volpe is going to be called up right at the beginning of 2023. Especially because I have to imagine the Yankees, who love to do this, are probably going to want to manipulate his service time. So... Especially because of that, and plus, you know, I guess he could use some more developing too because he's still so young and was not in AAA that long before the end of the season, although he was there for a decent amount of time and freaking killed it there, which makes me even more excited for his arrival. But I definitely have to imagine that service time and the manipulation of said service time will definitely play a part in things too, so I doubt that we'll see him to start the season off. So until he is ready at second base, I'd probably just put Oswaldo Cabrera there or DJ. And then you could put Cabrera at third base. You could alternate them as need be, I guess. Um, And then at shortstop, I want Peraza getting a shot there. I don't want IKF there. I really don't. He has proven to not be a shortstop. No matter what kind of crap the Yankees want to feed you, it does not matter. The guy's not a shortstop. That was more than proven, and don't listen to this organization about that. Just don't, because it's a straight-up lie. So, I would like it for Peraza to get a fair shot at shortstop, because he showed at whatever opportunities that he got at the end of the season, even in the playoffs, when I guess the Yankees even acknowledged a little bit that they couldn't play IKF every day anymore because it was just turning out to be a disaster in the playoffs, because for about half the games, he didn't start or really play at all. And Peraza actually got a fair shot at things and showed that he's capable, very capable, of playing shortstop. So I'd like for him to get a shot. And even towards, after a couple of weeks of being up, he even started to get into it with the bat. He started to hit very well. So I want Peraza getting a fair shot at shortstop. I really would like to see that happen. 
So Peraza at short, Rizzo at first, I suppose. And then you could alternate between second and third base. DJ and Oswaldo Cabrera could basically play either, I think. I'd be more than willing to have DJ play third. Although, again, I've slammed the Yankees for playing guys out of position plenty. So... It might be hypocritical of me to say that I'm okay with DJ playing third base, even though second base is his primary position. It's where he's won his gold gloves and everything, although he did just win a gold glove for utility, partially being a third base. And before 2022, he was not really a capable third baseman. He was making a lot of mistakes there. But in 2022, he really became a capable third baseman, which was a really good thing to see. So if that can continue, I am more than comfortable with putting DJ at third base and having Cabrera play second base so you could keep that bat there. And he himself proved to be a reliable defender, especially in the infield. He proved to even be it in the outfield for a while until he started to slip there towards the end. But he was even solid in the outfield, even though he really hadn't even played out there prior. So the kid's got talent, and I'd like for him to stick around. So if the Yankees don't package him and or Peraza, I would like to see them get a fair shot at the infield, at least to start 2023. And then if Volpe's to come up eventually, maybe you put Volpe at second base if he's not 100% ready for shortstop yet. So, I guess for when Volpe's ready, let's say in the event that he is ready, you put Rizzo at first base. You put Cabrera and or Volpe for second base in the event that Volpe can't play shortstop. Put Peraza at shortstop. Give the kid his shot. He earned it. Even for the little opportunity that you played him because you were so freaking stubborn, Yankees. He has earned his shot. And you could put DJ at third. And you want to know something? Some people have mentioned this possibility, and I said in last week, and even the week prior to that maybe, that I wouldn't have an issue with this. I have said that I do not want IKF playing full-time, especially not at shortstop. But people have mentioned bringing him back for utility. I would not mind that. Especially if it's utility for third base where he won his gold glove in 2020. I would not mind it at all. So if DJ ever needs a day off, or if Cabrera's playing at second, or if DJ's playing at second, you don't really have anybody else for third, put IKF at third. He's a good utility guy. So I wouldn't be opposed to that. So some solid infield backup being IKF. Some people even mention having Glaber's potential infield utility if he's not used 100% at second base. But I have to imagine if Glaber is still with the team come spring training, he's probably going to be the second baseman. And having him, DJ, Donaldson... It's still going to create some sort of a logjam. So again, that's why I hope some moves are made in the offseason to clear the crap out. Get the dead weight out to help with that too, because that's a problem. But that's basically my infield. So I guess Rizzo at first, Volpe slash Cabrera at second, or Glaber if you want to use him as utility. I don't know. Or if Glaber's still here, then he could. he's going to be the second baseman likely. And then... Peraza at shortstop, and DJ at third. My ideal infield would be having Cabrera and or Volpe at second base. Obviously, if Volpe's up, put him out there more often. He's got to get out there and get accustomed to the big leagues, make his mistakes, have his successes, and just get accustomed to the bigs, see what he's got. So that's my infield. So when Volpe's ready, I guess, Rizzo, Volpe, Peraza, DJ. When Volpe's not ready or if the Yankees decide to keep him down for a little bit to manipulate his service time, or whatever the reason may be, I would have it be Rizzo, Cabrera, Peraza, DJ. With IKF and or Glaber being utility. 
I'd be perfectly fine with that. So I guess that's my ideal infield. I want nothing to do with Josh Donaldson. And God bless your heart if you would be willing to deal with him at third base for even one minute longer because I don't know where you get that kind of patience. I wish I had it. I wish I could get it, but I don't have it. That's all I know. So anyway, let's hear your thoughts on the matter. What does your infield look like in 2023? If you were in charge of the Yankees, let's read a couple of replies and see what the general thoughts are out there amongst Yankee fans before we wrap up this nice little fun discussion-filled off-season Yapping Yankees episode here in the 2022 off-season. Let's start with... Let's see. We'll start with at SYank underscore NYR saying Rizzo, Peraza, Swanson, DJ. All right, so Rizzo for first base. Peraza for shortstop, or no, for second base probably since you said Swanson. I imagine Swanson would be the shortstop and then DJ. Listen, like I said, although I don't think it's going to happen with either Trey Turner or Dansby Swanson, I would love either of them. And if they were to acquire either of them, then I guess that would be my alignment as well. I would keep DJ at third, Rizzo at first. That wouldn't change. But if Swanson takes over shortstop, which that would definitely be his if he were to be here, yes, then I'd probably put Peraza at second base because Peraza's, he's been said to be really good and specialized in second or shortstop. So, yeah, that would... That would be really, if the Yankees were to get Swanson, that would be my alignment too. I just personally don't think it's going to happen as much as I would love it. But if they were to get him, then that would be the alignment I'd go with too from right to left, definitely. So, hey, listen, man, that's uh, that's a good dream to have. That's a pretty solid damn infield right there. Up next is at Evan D. Wetzel 4 saying, the kids are ready. Sean Murphy at catcher. Rizzo at first base, Peraza second base, Volpe shortstop, and DJ at third. So, my first couple of replies here agreeing with DJ at third and Rizzo at first. So, it's good to see that. Shortstop and second base seem to be where the differences are occasionally. It seems like people are willing to use Peraza at least, but just at second base. And Evans believing that Volpe is ready, just throw him at shortstop right away. Okay, man. One question I have is Sean Murphy. I wonder what it would take to get him for catcher. It'd probably be a bit. And to be really honest, I'm I'm personally fine with sticking with Trevino. So I would just stick with him, to be honest, a catcher. That's also something I didn't even talk about, but I guess that's my quick answer. I would definitely definitely wouldn't mind if Trevino is back. Um but yeah, I mean, if Volpe is ready. And if the Yankees actually called him up right away to start the 2023 season, which I do not think is going to happen. Um, but if they did, I guess that would be ideal. I wouldn't really mind with Peraza starting at short and Volpe getting some time at second base if need be to start at least. But it's not outrageous. I just don't think it's very likely, especially because I don't think Volpe is going to be there to start. Up next is at Carl Max 72 saying, Vinny Pasquantino first base trade with Royals for Torres and a 10-20 to 20 prospect. Volpe at second base, Peraza at shortstop, DJ at third, IKF utility. I don't know, man. Pasquantino is interesting, but I'd be much more comfortable sticking with Rizzo, man. I mean, like I said, there's just too many likable factors about him. Him being a lefty in general, providing that balance, him being such a great leader in the clubhouse, having that championship experience, still having the power that he does... And let alone his defense, of course. Obviously, his defense. I don't know. It's just... 
it's too valuable for me. Pasquantino had himself a nice season with the Royals, no doubt. But I don't know. I have a very tough time letting Rizzo go, personally. Other than that, we seem to be on the same wavelength, especially with IKF at utility. I said I'd be fine with that, just as long as he's not a starter, especially not at shortstop. DJ at third base, yes. Volpe, when he's ready, if they want to give him some time at second base, of course. Peraza at short, yep. So, yeah, Pasquantino's interesting, but I got to hang on to Rizzo, man. I have to. Next up is at Blake B.D. Michaels saying Donaldson at third. God bless you, man. Like I said before, God bless anyone's heart who's willing to put up with him at third base for even a minute longer. God bless you. Anyways, Donaldson at third, Peraza at short, DJ at second, and Rizzo at first. DJ at third base, and Volpe takes shortstop or second base by midseason. Donaldson to the bench or DFA. All right, so I, I at least respect you not wanting Donaldson for the full season at least. But just me personally, on a personal level, I can't stomach him there for even a second longer. So that's tough for me to even say that. If the Yankees do end up staying with him, then yes, I guess that's the next best thing. If they're not so stubborn as to keep him there for the entire season, even if he sucks again, which again wouldn't even surprise me, considering how the Yankees are so reluctant to go to stray from their beliefs. So, but yeah, if that were to happen without Donaldson, it seems like we're pretty much on the same page by midseason and on when it comes to having an infield that does not include Josh Donaldson, so at least that's good. But uh, yeah, I guess that would be the deal for if Donaldson was there and Glaber was to not be there. That's probably what would end up happening. It's a good prediction. I just can't see Donaldson there anymore. I can't. At Frank Oliveri says, as of right now, Rizzo first base, DJ second, Peraza shortstop, and Donaldson at third. But if Donaldson does start the season, he will be gone when Volpe is ready, and DJ goes to third and Volpe to second. All right, so other people have mentioned Volpe to second. All right. And DJ going to third if, if and when Donaldson's done. It seems like that's basically what the last guy just said. All right, so some people are willing to at least put up with Donaldson to start. It seems like I personally am not. Obviously, if he ends up, if that ends up being the case, there's little I can do about it. But as of right now, while we're still speculating at the beginning of the winter, at the beginning of the offseason, um, yeah, that really seems like what would realistically happen in the event of Donaldson at least starting the season, and then if he were to not be there anymore. Yeah. So especially the parts without Donaldson, because that's really the part that I'm focusing on, because he is not involved in any sort of thing that I'm drawn up. <laughs> Uh, if I were the Yankees, I would eat all of or most of his contract and just find a way to get the hell rid of him. But So that's what I'm focusing on. But if that were to happen, then yeah, that's really what I'm looking at. So I agree with that. At Rebirth Chaos 9 my good friend James. James says Rizzo, DJ, Peraza, Cabrera. Yeah, those are the primary first names that I mentioned before Volpe being ready. Yep. At Savage Empire Pod says DJ at third, Volpe slash Peraza at shortstop or second, Rizzo at first. Send Donaldson and IKF to The Hague for war crimes. <laughs> oh my. All right, well, at least with the main names you mentioned, yeah, we're pretty much in agreement there. Volpe and Peraza flipping between shortstop and second for when Volpe's ready. And Rizzo being at first, DJ at third, yeah. Seems to be about the same. Sending Donaldson away, wherever, just as long as it's not in the Yankees. Yeah, we're on the same page with that. 
IKF, if you want to get rid of him, fine. But if you want to keep him around, it better not be for much more than utility. I'm in agreement with that. Next up, we've got my good friend Laura at Laura underscore Icemontan. Laura says Rizzo first base, Cabrera or Torres second base, Peraza at shortstop until Volpe is ready, and DJ at third base. Make IKF the utility guy. Yeah. In agreement there. I mean, the only the only thing that you mentioned as opposed to mine was still having Glaber there, but if Glaber was still there, then yeah, I guess that is what would happen. Like, I, I factored that in before, too, if Glaber's to still be there. But yeah, Cabrera definitely getting some time in at second base. I would definitely leave Oswaldo in the infield this time. That's where he specializes the most. No more outfield stuff. It was fun for when he really did good, but then when it started to slip towards the end, the Yankees really started to get exposed for doing yet again what they have the tendency of doing so often, just playing guys outrageously out of position and having it come back to bite them in the rear end again, ultimately. So just keep Cabrera in the infield again. Keep him around because he's good to have around, even if he's a bench piece. So yeah, especially if Kaleber's still around, and that clogs things up a little bit. I would definitely have him and... Labor split that up a bit. Peraza at shortstop until Volpe is ready. Yeah, that really seems good. DJ at third, IKF utility. I'm okay with either with both of those. So mostly on the same page. Yep. Rebecca at peace now for life, saying if it was up to me, Rizzo would be at first, DJ at second, IKF at third, and Peraza at shortstop. Glaber and Oswaldo for depth. Now, that would be a solid infield. Yeah, I would be... There's no question IKF would be better at third than at shortstop. I'm very confident in saying that. Obviously, it's not a guarantee, but I'm confident in saying that. So, I guess if you had to play IKF every day, then you put him at third. Just keep him away from shortstop for the love of God, as I've preached. But I don't want him being any more than a utility guy. I'd rather Cabrera be at third base, to be honest, or put DJ at third base than having IKF play there regularly. That's just my opinion. I don't want to see too much of IKF. I'd be okay having him at a utility capacity, but nothing more. That's just me personally. So, definitely agree with Peraza at short, Rizzo at first. If they could, if they don't have to put DJ at, at third, of course, put him at second in his primary position. I'm not going to argue with that. And, yeah, Cabrera, I'd like for him to be used, so find any one of those ways that have been mentioned to get him into there. But that's not that's not a bad infield, Rebecca, definitely not. I'd just rather see less of IKF, even if it is him, him being at third base, just, but just especially keep him away from shortstop. Keep him away. Because there's two years in a row now where they tried Glaber there, miserably failed, and then ended up having to use Andrew Velasquez as the shortstop in the playoffs. So basically, basically even the Yankees accepting that what they did was wrong, and what they tried so hard to do was just completely wrong, and bit them in the ass in the end. And then this year, trying with IKF, and then realizing that this really can't continue, and not even starting him or playing him really in about half of the playoff games this year. But it's two years in a row of this happening. So, play guys where they're supposed to play, unless they're completely proven to be really good in that other position they tried out, and just do what's right. 
come to terms with the fact that IKF isn't a shortstop, Glaber's not a shortstop, these sorts of things. Just come to terms with it. It's okay. It's the truth. It's okay to accept. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to admit that you miscalculated. Next up, we've got at Sports D 247337727 saying Jose Trevino behind the plate, Rizzo at first, Arenado if he opts out, Correa, and then a Turner. Trey Turner meaning. Well, I'll be the first one to tell you that those are lovely dreams to have, but they are never going to be anything beyond that. Just dreams. <laughs> Having all of those guys is never going to happen, especially while the Yankees still have Judge first and foremost, hopefully, and we'll have to really open the checkbook for him. But... Also, Arenado opted in with the Cardinals. It was a couple of weeks ago now, I think. So, yeah, you got to get caught up on that. <laughs> That's That happened a while ago. He opted in with them until 2027. So, Arenado's not going anywhere. Uh, Correa, I just don't see it happening after they already passed up on him last winter for IKF. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I just don't see that happening as in favor as I was for that last winter. It's just, it's not, I don't think it's going to happen. Trey Turner. Could and would really like it. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it's the likely, the most likely of any of those. I mean, it, it's factually not going to happen with Arenado because he opted in already. But Correa, I don't see happening because the Yankees just proved that they're they're just not going to get him. And Trey Turner, it could happen. I would love it. Do I think it'll happen? Probably not, but we'll see. But <laughs> in a perfect world. That would be a murderous infield. Yes, it would be. <laughs> at Newt Zachary is up next, saying Trevino at catcher, Rizzo at first, Glaber at second, Volpe at shortstop, DJ at third. So no Peraza. Where's Peraza? And you're expecting the Yankees to just call up Volpe at the beginning of 2023? I respect you having those aspirations, and I would really like that. I don't think it'll happen. So I find that hard to believe. So I think you'll at least need Peraza to at least start if you don't deal him in, in a trade. Um, but I'm curious as to, without providing any reason as to why he's not there, why Peraza wouldn't be there to start off the season. So you're sticking with Glaber at second and DJ moves to third. So it seems like everybody's on the same page mostly with DJ at third and Rizzo at first, sticking with Trevino at catcher. It's second and shortstop that people are really tossing around a bit. So, the up-the-middle defense. Interesting. All right, let's just read a few more. Up next is at Kenji Kofi saying, third base Donaldson, shortstop Peraza, second base DJ, first base Rizzo, and catcher Trevino. Donaldson at third base again. Again, like I've said to all the others, God bless you for having that kind of patience. I wish I had it, but I don't. At RG Cantelmo, saying catcher Trevino, first base Rizzo, second base Glaber gets bashed more than he deserves. Shortstop Peraza, if we think our prospects are so great, then now's the time to test them. And third base DJ, best contact hitter on the team. Donaldson's age will likely show even more next year. I definitely agree with that third base part all the way around. Shortstop agreed. Second base with Glaber, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle with him. I really would not be upset if he's traded or anything like that. I really wouldn't be. I don't... His numbers for second base on the whole in 2022, those numbers were mainly based on the first half because for a long time in the second half, he just died again. Started looking an awful lot like his 2021 self. But 
his numbers on the whole were pretty good for a second baseman in 2022. I'll give him that. But it's just the same continued, really unlikable habits that a lot of people saw in him again that they just don't like, Robert. That's really the main thing. I mean, we saw in a lot of cases with him again, him just kind of like zoning out on the field, making really boneheaded mental mistakes that a Major League Baseball player really just shouldn't make, and just seeing that extended, and I mean extended, amount of time where he went into a dangerously bad slump yet again. It's these continued habits that people saw with him when he was at his worst in 2021 that did occasionally rear their ugly heads again in 2022 that have people feeling uneasy about him going forward. Now, I'm not totally against Glaber Torres, but I'm also not like totally in support of him. I'm, I'm in a weird place when it comes to him. I don't know if people understand what I mean by that, but I'm in that place where if he's back, fine, whatever, but if he's not, I'm not going to be destroyed by it. And I do think the Yankees have the options to make up for that as well, so I wouldn't be destroyed by it, especially if it's for a guy the Yankees could really use. So... Yes and no. I think he gets bashed more than he deserves. Yes and no. Because a lot of the times it is warranted with a lot of the boneheaded things he does. But sometimes it is also taken a bit too far with some people. I'll agree with that. And another point you made with Rizzo, you also said a guy who will benefit from the shift rule change. Yeah, he definitely will. Had a lot of hits taken away from him that really went into the right field hole, but of course the second baseman's playing in short right field, and it's a ground out. So with the shift being gone next year, as we've also spoken a lot about when it comes to the rule changes for next year, yeah, Rizzo could greatly benefit from that, and it could improve his hitting even more so. Because the guy's still hitting the low to mid-30s in home runs this past year, which is a lot of value to have, being a lefty as well in Yankee Stadium, having the defense that he has, being the presence that he is with the team off the field, in the clubhouse, and otherwise. Rizzo's just invaluable. That's why I want him back. And Trevino, a catcher. Everybody seems to be on the same page with that. Uh, let's do one more, and then we'll do the usual final two. Up next, let us go with at Sutton Yankees. And they say, I think they need to go back to what all great teams do when they're not delivering. Sort out the egos in the dressing room and never be frightened to use youngsters as that usually lifts everyone's game that is worth their shirt. Well, if you want to sort out egos, then uh, first one out should be Josh Donaldson, because that is the biggest ego I've ever seen, especially for someone who produced as little as he did with the bat this past year. So if you want to sort out egos, get his out right away. And yeah, using youngsters, yeah, people have mentioned using Peraza. They've mentioned as soon as he's ready, use Volpe as soon as possible, see what he's got. Can't be afraid to use the kids. I mean, you ended up calling up Cabrera and giving him a shot, and he ended up being a great surprise. Especially even playing outfield defense for a while, something he really wasn't familiar with at all, really. Did a great job at that for a while. He went into his extended slumps with the bat at times, especially when he first came up for a while, but, you know, he was adjusting. It was his first time seeing the major leagues. Had that huge home run in Cleveland in the playoffs. So with more time, I think he's bound to only get better. So, you saw a lot of pleasant surprises when you gave him a shot. Peraza definitely showed some of his potential in the few opportunities he got granted, but that's not his fault. And I think there's even more of that in the tank. And who knows what we're going to get with Volpe. I expect some really good things out of that. There better be good things (laughs) because of all the Yankees passed up in anticipation for him. So, 
And again, that's also not on Volpe necessarily. That's on the Yankees for putting a lot of stock in guys and putting even more pressure on them. And if they don't work out, the fans turn on them as opposed to turning to the real problem, the Yankees, (laughs) in miscalculating their development. Because we all know how much trouble the Yankees have had in developing certain players. So there's that too. should mention that, that I've mentioned also a lot in the past few weeks and in the past couple of years too, on the whole. I have mentioned that a lot. So yeah, I, I, I agree with that, especially sorting out egos. Egos that aren't warranted at least. I mean, if you're a killer player and you want to have a bit of an ego, well, it's only natural and you've earned it to a certain degree. So, all right. Everyone seems to mostly be on the same page for the most part, and I like a lot of the suggestions. Final two, as per usual. Up next is my girlfriend at Vic Salimo, and she says, I would like Rizzo to remain at first. Definitely hope he comes back. I would like to see Cabrera at second to at least start if they don't use Volpe right away. If he does come up pretty soon, at first I think he should get some reps at second base. I want Peraza to get more time at shortstop to prove what he's got. And after he showed this past year how he could play a good third base, I would like it for DJ to be there as well. Basically exactly what I said. (laughs) What a shocker. Me and Vic tend to agree on a lot of things. So what a shocker there. (laughs) All right, last but certainly not least, as always, is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero. And she says, my ideal infield would be Rizzo at first, bring up Volpe, and if he's not ready to start, then use Oswaldo Cabrera at second base. Although I'm tired of waiting for Volpe after all we've heard about him, I would like to see him get his shot. Definitely Peraza for shortstop after what we saw out of him, and DJ on third base would be perfect for me. I would be perfectly fine with that, Mom. (laughs) And that's uh, a lot of my thoughts as well on it. So it seems like most people are really, for the most part, on the same page with this. And I think those are all really good potential options. And if they could get somebody, like I said, like a... um, like a Turner to add to it, well, then you're going to have to factor that in somehow as well. So, but obviously the first thing the Yankees are going to want to do is aim for Aaron Judge. That is first and foremost, and it's probably the one they're talking to more often than anyone, or at least I would hope, should have their priorities straight and have that be that. But as far as the infield, it seems like most of us are on the same wavelength with it. And I, as always, thank all of you so much for all of your interactions on the social media segments. Did not get to everybody necessarily, as always, but I always try my best and just keep on replying every single week, guys. I try to get to as many replies as I can each and every episode. So, with that being said, that is all for episode 163 of Yapping Yankees today, guys. Nice little fun, relaxing discussion here on an early off-season episode for Yapping Yankees this off-season. But remember, guys, if you don't follow me on socials as of yet, be sure to do so. Hit up my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. Follow me on there. Follow me on Twitter especially, which is where I do most of my content on. Always tweeting, always putting out thoughts on the Yankees, baseball overall, any of my other interests. It's where I have my biggest following. Go check me out on there, at Mike Scudero, but also on Instagram at MikeScuds97. And when it comes to Yapping Yankees, please be sure to subscribe to it on all four of the platforms it's available on. That is YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love across all four of them as you are already great at doing. 
And if you have the time, if you've missed any past Yapping Yankees episodes, well, you could listen to them anywhere on YouTube, episodes 34 up to episode 163 today. They're all available on there. And every single Yapping Yankees episode from episode one, three and a half years ago, all the way to today's episode 163. Well, all of those are available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. But once again, thank you, 3000, for listening to me yap today. As always, my friends, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, November the 20th, as we head up towards Thanksgiving, when I come at you with episode 164 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, guys, hang in there, stay safe, look out for your loved ones, be patient, and keep those ears out for any official things happening for the baseball offseason, for the Yankees or otherwise. You know, I'm always keeping my ears and eyes out on social media and anywhere else, and the second anything does come out, we're going to talk about it right here on the show as usual. But keep those eyes peeled, keep those ears open for anything and everything that is to happen in the next week, potentially. Not sure if anything will, but if it does, we'll be sure to talk about it right here on the podcast next Sunday. And until then, why don't you also go ahead and kick life's ass this week? I know you could do it. But until next Sunday, my friends, I will talk to you then. Take care.